0: Sports Interaction, Canada Sports
1: Book. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa. Finally, a late night game for the Sens that was actually worth staying up for. The Ottawa Senators have Sensed the LA Kings. I'm glad that I was able to actually use that graphic and sound effects again for once. Uh, joining me to recap tonight's game is my good buddy, Jordan. How are you doing tonight, Jordan?
0: i'm good i'm good thanks for asking
1: yeah thank you for joining me on on this late night stream i know it's been uh it's been a little tough for me to get some guests super late starting at uh, 1 30 em eastern here but at least we finally as i said got to see a win staying up this late for once
0: oh yeah no it's it's worth it despite the fact that i'm going to bed right after this it's definitely worth it
1: yeah definitely gonna crash as soon as this show is over but uh First, got to recap the game, and before we get into that, I'd just like to thank our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's the World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com. SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Now, now that that's out of the way, we (laughs) can actually celebrate here on this show for once. It's been a bit of a rarity so far. Uh, How do you feel after tonight's win?
0: I mean, it it was a pretty good game overall, I feel. Um, The third period was rough in terms of they did the same thing that they always do where they seem to tone it down and play down to their competition for the last period but Talbot came up really big um and our star players were our star players so really it was a satisfying win which was nice
1: yeah some of our big names uh really came came through tonight and got us the win uh and it was really nice to actually play with a lead uh pretty not heading into the third period because I think it was they did tie it uh before the third period right but yeah we actually had some leads throughout the game which is very nice because i feel like a lot of the sentence games lately have just been you know, falling behind early after a good start, and then the team kind of gets discouraged. So it was nice to see that even though it was just two goals, they were able to get rewarded for their strong play early on, and uh, that really kept them in the game, and they didn't end up uh, falling behind badly like we've seen sometimes lately.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, they played hard. They played well. They got rewarded. And that's been the thing that has been missing. Like, they have had games where they've dominated at the start, but they just can't seem to buy a goal in those instances. And like, there's still a lot of uh, discussion around the system around the coaching around even the players performances at this point. But uh, this game was just a nice little reminder that the talent is there behind the scenes. Like we do have the players and even though there's still like concerning moments and like LA is better this year, I wouldn't put them up as one of the top teams. They're better this year. It's still, a nice sign of where things may be eventually
1: yeah and you know you mentioned the top players we saw Brady Kachuk with two points tonight Claude Giroux with two points and I think yeah Shabbat as well with two assists uh I think I remember like we watched the game together and during the game Brady Kachuk was really the guy that was standing out for for both of us so far like and especially on this season he's just been amazing like what did you see in his game tonight? And what have you seen throughout this season that's really led to uh, success for Kachuk?
0: I think he has shifted into a more dynamic pair, uh, player from all areas of the ice. Like before his whole um, bread and butter was that he's a tough net front presence. He will be jammy. He's going to score those jammy goals. Um, and he's kind of elevated it a little bit. Like, of course, the, the jamminess is there. The toughness in front of the net is there. He'll still score that deflection. He'll score the bank in like he did tonight but his shot is a threat from different areas of the ice. His playmaking is a threat from different areas of the ice. He's like, he's a unicorn player at this point. He can put it in or put it in a dangerous area anywhere. And that is something I didn't necessarily expect. Like I thought he would be consistent, like 30 assists, 30 goals. I thought that's consistently what he's going to be. And so far this season, he's elevated that, which I honestly didn't see coming.
1: Yeah, I think... Ever since he was drafted up until recently, a lot of people kind of see Kachuk or saw Kachuk as, you know, kind of the grinder who can score, which is already a bit of a unicorn, but he's become even more of a unicorn and really one of the league's best power forwards so far. Like, I feel like power forwards are becoming a lot more rare, obviously. You would probably say that Jamie Benn was the best one for, you know, the past decade or so. He's yeah. kind of reminding me a lot of Jamie Benn lately, you know, in his prime, Ben is slowing down a little bit lately, but just that physicality and the mix of playmaking and goal scoring, like he can do both. We saw that really nice pass on, uh, on Dabrinkit's power play goal tonight. I remember, uh, after we drafted Kachuk, that was something that a lot of people praised was his playmaking because, uh... A lot of people might remember Kachuk only had the eight goals in his, uh, in his draft year in college. And then people liked to claim that he was not a goal scorer. That was not worth the fourth overall pick. But then everyone else who was being positive about the pick was saying, oh, well, he had a lot of assists. He's actually going to be this great playmaker. And I think we're seeing a lot of that uh, recently here. He's got 16 assists on the season now. Just uh, another great assist tonight. We're really seeing, like you said, that dynamicism in this game.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's insane. And it's it's funny to think about that draft. And even like I was one of the people that was more negative. I wanted Zadina, admittedly. Mm-hmm. I, that's the player I was hoping for. And it really gave me pause on the the sends picks to be like, okay, even with players like the, Tyler Boucher is like a more recent example. Give them a second, see what they can become. Even if you don't like it, see if there's something like under the surface there. And Kachuk has really just powered through to provide something that honestly handful of players bring to the league and the fact that he's here for a long time I think is indicative that eventually this is gonna find success just based off his energy
1: Hmm. yeah and uh oh what was I gonna say <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just thinking uh about Kachuk there like yeah what we were saying earlier when we were watching the game was we were kind of thinking that at Kachuk's peak he would kind of be like a 60 point 70 point type of guy you know when he finds really good chemistry with his line mates and stuff like that, you know, like if he really clicks with a couple of other like first line caliber players, but, and you know, he is with Kachuk, Stutzla, and Giroux all on that line. It's a great combination so far for the Sens, but it's been Kachuk at the top of our scoring uh, rankings consistently, and he's ahead of both of his line mates too, which I find really interesting because I think a lot of people didn't really expect to, him to be that much of a line driver as he has been. It's been really impressive.
0: Oh yeah. Like I feel like on an individual basis, I felt like he was more of a con- contra contramentally I can't say the word yeah. complimentary player. There we go. Complementary player to uh, other really uh, explosive forwards on his line. And I always thought it was going to be players like Stutzla um, even drew coming in. That would be the players that really pumped his points up, but he's been doing a lot of this stuff um, himself, which is just really impressive. And a godsend to a team that really needs a leader right now and the fact that he's a captain at such a young age is just really encouraging
1: yeah i would say there's definitely no doubt about uh, the fact that he was the right choice for captain of this team so far i mean even though we haven't really seen the on ice success ter- in terms of uh, the team's record so far he's just been leading the way regardless and you really couldn't uh, pin any of that on him in terms of uh, the leadership on the ice, he's just been fantastic. And now you mentioned Stutzla as well. We have to give him a shout out for his amazing pass on that oh, overtime absolutely. goal. I I couldn't believe that play. Like it was it was almost shocking. Like I thought that uh, Shabbat had kind of given the puck up behind the sense, net. I thought that the Kings player was going to beat Stutzla to the puck. And then all of a sudden, Stutzla gets it, and it's a breakaway for the sense. What the hell happened there? <laughs> You
0: know, it's crazy how shifty Stutzla is. He just turns on a dime, and he has been criticized in the past for holding onto the puck too long. But I feel like as the season goes on, he gets a better idea of when to let go of that puck, when to just spread it around. And that play, just a cutback, and then an insane backhand pass to Giroux. It's just crazy. And it speaks to his skill. And even you were saying while you were watching the game mod that like Stutzla is a player that gets points even when he doesn't necessarily play well, uh, plays well. And I think a big part of that is just how tenacious he is on the puck. He's evolved in every play and as as a uh, proud Stutzla fantasy owner. I can say lately he's been very good, at least like an assist per game. Like he's just elevated himself. And even though he still has the rough game, the rough turnover, he's just like Kachuk dynamic in his own way. And he's really filling in the gap that we lost with Norris as a 1C and proving that, well, you still really want a 1A, 1B uh, center uh, setup that he can fill in to be that superstar center. And he's only like 21, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, I have to say, thank God that Stutza made the switch to center last year. Could you imagine if he was still playing on left wing and we had Norris out (sighs) right now? That... It would just be pure disaster. Uh, I feel
0: like at that point, we need Bedard. Yeah. I feel like, it, just Tank, we need a center.
1: At that point, I think, regardless of needing Bedard, we would be right on track for him, uh, regardless <laughs> of expectations, which we might be anyway, but at least we get to be a little bit more positive here today. Uh, yes. Celebrating a win. And it's kind of funny. You mentioned, you know, Stutzler sometimes having the tendency to hold on to the puck a little bit too long. I felt like that play in OT was almost a little bit of a mix of like, well, I'll say he held onto the puck for just the right amount of time, but it was like a little bit of hesitation after he picked it up and kind of juked it around this, the Kings player and made sure like not to turn it over. He kind of held on to it for a second, but then he got rid of the puck real quick, right to Giroux. I was amazed that he even realized that Giroux was all the way up there getting ready for a breakaway. So that that was just perfect execution really, wasn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. Perfect. And uh, like I'd have to listen to the uh, stream again, but I'm pretty sure I heard Drew yelling for it as soon as uh, Stutzla escaped, which I mean, makes sense. He was wide open, wide alone, but that's like a crazy backhand pass. Like I'm trying uh, like as someone who is barely play player in hockey, like I'm mostly goalie, but has played some player. I can't imagine doing that on a backhand. I can't imagine how you get enough power to flip it literally down almost the entirety of the ice surface, Mm -hmm. right to Drew. It's a testament to just his insane skill in that instance. And I will admit though, like on the quick turnaround, like my heart was in my throat for a second, just like, Oh my God, (laughs) this is like, don't turn it over now, dude, please. But it worked out in the end. And all you can say is it was a great play.
1: Yeah. Just, just pure skill and smarts from, uh, from Stuthal on that play. And of course the beautiful finish from Giroux. I think that's kind of his uh his go-to move on, on the breakaway in the shootouts. I think I've seen him score that before for the Flyers. I although I do also recall him uh taking slap shots in the shootout sometime, uh which I would love to see him do that this year for the Sens if we if we manage to get to a shootout. Um and then I also want to discuss Alex DeBrinkett tonight. I think every time he scores lately the whole Sens fan base just kind of lets out a sigh of relief. They're like, yes, finally, he was actually able to get one because he gets so many chances and he's had that low shooting percentage, you know, which has been one of the biggest uh, talking points for the Senators so far. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember just a few seconds before Dabrinkit scored this goal, I was complaining about how they never really set him up for one-timers. Like, even though it seems like it should be his bread and butter, I feel like he doesn't get that many chances on the power play to just rip a one-timer and then Kachuk found him right after I said that I said how hard is it to actually you know set this guy up for one-timers and then Kachuk managed to pull it off so that was a great moment tonight uh how how have you thought about uh, Alex Dabrinkit's game lately
0: uh, I mean I feel like it's kind of like 50-50 in the sense that I feel like he could be better but he, whenever you watch him play you see him uh create things on the ice and With that inherent ability, it kind of brings the question of, is he being coached a certain way? Is the line failing to find chemistry? Like you can see a player scratching the surface of success whenever he steps on the ice and they just haven't really put him in the positions to succeed. Like you mentioned, like a lot of the time he's not on his one timer wall on the power play, which is strange. Mm -hmm. They pass to him and he acts like almost as a bumper when you want him as a shot, when uh, coverage moves over. Right. And he's has the playmaking ability, but he's here for the goal scoring. And I feel like it's nice to see it drip out a little bit as it has like over the last, like, I want to say five to 10 games, you've been seeing it more just show up as he becomes a bit more comfortable. I don't want to say like, Oh, it's, it's fixed or the coaching has finally uh, changed to allow him to be more successful. I think it's still really fair to be critical of how the coaching has kind of developed that and how they facilitated his play but the the skill is there it's so obvious and i feel like if the sens ever get on a winning run this season he's going to be one of the main reasons why
1: yeah another another goal on the power play for him i i don't know, i don't have the exact stats in front of me but i think at least half his goals are on the power play now um what did you think of the second line tonight with pinto debrinkert and batherson because I think I said this last stream uh, that I would like to see Dabrinkit moved up to play with Kachuk and Stutzla because I kind of get the sense from Giroux that, you know, I think he's going to be solid no matter what line he's playing on. I think he has that line driving ability, but I feel like we just don't really have a guy like that on the second line right now. And I think moving Dabrinkit up could maybe get him going at five on five. But but what, do you, what did you think of the second line tonight? What are your thoughts?
0: It was average at best. Um... The first line with, of course, Stutzla, Kachuk, Drew was the main driver of offense, I found, throughout most of the night, besides our power play, obviously. Um, I feel like that line is just a, not the best combination of players, necessarily. You have Pinto, who is still a rookie, finding his way. I think he only has one assist on the season, mostly goals besides that, which have been good, but it is a bit streaky. I think he had a high shooting percentage, so there's a reason for that. Batherson is a great playmaker, but he's been struggling a little bit to start the season. And it could be because he's not really used to his line mates. Both of them are new. And I remember last year, a lot of the first line action was Batherson, Norris, Kachuk primarily. And I feel like being taken off that high skill ability first line and being thrust into a situation where you're more of a carrier and you have to work with new players. It's kind of rough. and It's not something that they can't adjust to, but I haven't necessarily seen the sparks that you would want to see. Like occasionally they have chances, but it feels like it's off of a bad bounce, a bad turnover from the other team. And they get a chance that way. I haven't seen enough of them at individual play to be really impressed. Just on five on five execution, there hasn't really been enough there. So I am with you. I think moving Giroud down, maybe shifting him into like a left wing spot or something allowing that line to get a bit more help from someone who is doing really well to start the season could help balance it out a little bit to make two threatening lines instead of just one.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're right about, uh, too, the way that he actually had a pretty hot start to the season when he was playing with Kachuk and Stutzla. I remember he had a a two goal game against the Capitals, I think in the second week of the season and his, his stats were looking pretty good early on, but He's gone a little bit cold lately. It, it feels like whoever goes on the second line does worse. And whoever's on the first line, whoever gets that right wing spot with Kachuk and Stutzla just happens to do better. Uh, Kachuk and Stutzla have really been leading the way. And Giroud as well. Um, that's that's kind of why I selfishly kind of want to see Dabrinkit up in that spot to, to maybe see him uh, get his goal totals up a, a little bit here. I, I do have to say, as well with Debrinca, though, I have been pretty impressed with his two-way game overall, especially because that's something that's kind of lacking in the Senators' forwards. I feel like maybe it's DJ system or maybe it's player personnel, but I feel like uh, the forwards don't support the D too well uh, a lot of the time. Um, but I remember uh, Debrinca had a fantastic back check in the third period where he just kind of came in out of nowhere and totally stopped a scoring chance, took the puck the other way on a three-on-two. So I do have to say, even though uh, Dabrinkit's goal totals aren't like wowing us yet, I think he has been great overall. And one other thing that I wanted to bring up about Dabrinkit is I have seen a little bit of discourse of some people suggesting that maybe we end up trading Dabrinkit. Now, because he is an RFA at the end of the season, what is your opinion on that? If, if Dabrinkit would sign, but the team is still doing bad? What would you do if you were Pierre Dorian?
0: I feel like it's tough because he has a nine million dollar qualifying offer. If you do sign him, it would be reasonably around that number, which is high. That's like in the in this time frame, it's like low end first line money, right? Like that's an expensive player. However, I think a lot of people that are discussing trading to brick it do have to remember Drew is thirty four. He is on the team for three years, but he's most likely going to get worse as that contract goes on. And it's possible we, re- we resign him after that, but I doubt he's anywhere near the same ability as he is at the time of signing. And I feel like having the who's 24 years old, perfect, perfect age for the timetable of this rebuild, having him locked up as a left winger for the foreseeable future just fits so perfectly in what you're trying to do. And then, when Drew eventually ages out, you only need to replace him with one of our prospects, whether it be Sokolov, um, Grieg, even maybe Cruikshank really pops off. You know, there's a lot of backup there and that gets a lot harder to manage if Drew leaves and if Debrinket leaves, because at that point you have to look for maybe something in free agency, maybe something in a trade. But wouldn't you like to allocate those resources to a defenseman instead mm-hmm. at this point? And I would say Yes. So I understand why people are talking about it, especially if uh, DeBrickett is giving no indication that he wants to sign. But if you can sign him, I'd put my money on that.
1: Yeah, I guess here's a slightly different question, although lot, kind of along the same lines. We're talking about how we want to see DeBrickett score more. If the goal is to re-sign him, Do you want to see him go on a tear and hit 45 goals or something crazy and then we have to pay him more money? Or do you think maybe (laughs) maybe he can have a little bit of a modest season, but still good. Maybe we can get him a little cheaper. What do you think?
0: I mean, I feel like if he was like at 30 points, like 60, 65 points, somewhere in that neighborhood, I don't think people would be that disappointed, Mm -hmm. especially with how Kachuk has elevated himself to be like the first line left wing at this point. And if that prices him down to like, eight seven mil like if we're really lucky i don't think you can really complain would it be awesome to see him going on heater absolutely like it'd be so sick to cheer for to and be like wow he's like scored in five strike games like this is insane and really just highlight that goal scoring ability but does it work better in the long-term plan if he does a little worse i probably
1: (laughs) yeah i've been i've been kind of thinking that it might be a sneaky good thing the slow start if we are able to sign him that is because Obviously, if the slow start drags on for too long, uh, it could you could end up with a situation where the player's not so sure that they want to sign here long term. And I do have to say, if that ended up being the case with Debrinket, uh, I wouldn't be too disappointed about it, considering we only gave up draft picks. We didn't give up uh, any known assets that we had for the Sens that we personally valued, like a top prospect that we all loved or something. And, you know, I think you would be able to get a good return for him in trade if he did get moved. But I, I really do hope that Alex DeBrincat plays pretty well uh, for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully we can get him locked up.
0: That'd be nice. I still remember, like, Kevin Weeks tweeted, like, uh, senators oh, yeah. and DeBricket work on extension. Everyone was just like, oh, it'll be like a few days. And then nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, which... no,
1: that was in preseason. Yeah. Before the first regular season game. I wonder... How much truth there was to that or what the circumstances were that's really interesting really interesting to just sort of hear nothing since then and you know i just kind of thought of this off the fly but speaking of hearing nothing uh alex (laughs) fermentin we really have not heard much of anything about his uh contract status and there's only three or four days left until the december 1st rfa deadline and the reason i bring it up today is because they asked bruce Garyotch about it on the intermission and I thought his answer was a little bit weird, a little bit vague. He kind of, he didn't really say or hint at like which way the team was leaning as opposed to like, or considering like if the team will sign him or not. He was just kind of like, oh, well, these are the options. Maybe he'll sign. Maybe he won't. And I feel like it's a little bit weird to still be this vague, this late in RFA negotiations. Uh, What are your thoughts on Formentin?
0: Oh, sorry, Monty froze for a second there. Oh. What was that?
1: I was just asking your thoughts on uh, the aforementioned negotiations.
0: Oh, yes, of course. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's this is one of the weirdest instances I've seen in player negotiations in that there's been absolute radio silence this entire time. It's been so quiet. And obviously, there's the massive elephant in the room, the Hockey Canada situation and uh, the NHL still do, doing their investigation on that. Um but it's weird that there's no indication either way, and it leaves me to kind of wonder. Like, I don't think the Sens will want to necessarily just ship an asset off at its lowest possible value um, right now, especially since if Dubrickett didn't play after December, they would still retain his rights if he ever did come back to the NHL. Of course, what happens with Hockey Canada will affect that outcome. Even it might even affect if he ever plays in the NHL again, but. I feel like the most likely scenario at this point, considering we've heard nothing, is that DeBurgh or uh, Formenton, sorry, will end up in Europe possibly after this Thursday.
1: Yeah. Uh, and another thing that was mentioned was if, like, if they didn't say this outright on the broadcast, but if the Hockey Canada scandal is really an issue here in terms of why he hasn't received a contract yet, um, then there's the question of why hasn't Alex Formenton just signed his RFA qualifying offer, because you can always do that and you get an extra contract year, I think, at the same salary as before or something like that. I thought that was an interesting thing that uh, that Gary Josh brought up because that's something I never really considered. I kind of just always have been assuming here that uh, the Sens have just decided not to sign him because they know more than the general public knows. But I do think that was a little bit of an interesting wrinkle there in terms of maybe there was actual negotiations going on and they weren't affected. Uh, But it is weird that we haven't heard any rumors or anything in terms of what the player is asking for and what the team wants. Right.
0: Yeah, no, it it is really weird. And that's a, that's an interesting thing that was like partially brought up on the broadcast. I do wonder if it's sort of a situation where like uh, maybe he's trying to save a bit of publicity in the sense that like, if you're a part of the team and the investigation finishes, you get charged or even you're uh, mentioned as being part of the scandal. If you're part of the team, that's much more of a public process where you probably uh, get like a leave of absence from the team and all that. And maybe, maybe they were thinking if he was part of the team, like without fair compensation or at least like some protection against something happening, if a scandal did come out, then it would be worth it for him. That's like my best possible guess, but it's a really interesting point. And honestly, this is like some of the most awkward negotiations I've ever seen.
1: Mm -hmm. It's really strange to just have pretty much radio silence on an unsigned RFA all the way up till December 1st here. Usually it's crazy rumors, like no matter who the RFA is and what team, Uh, if I had to predict, I'd think he's off to Europe this year. Uh, But, but who knows? We'll, we'll have our answer in a few days. Um, And then the last thing I want to touch on tonight is, even though we won the game and we got to do a bit of gloating about that, there is another thing directly relating to the Kings that we get to also gloat about a little bit as Sens fans is the 2020 draft. We have to talk about how good Stutzla and Sanderson have been as the third and fifth overall picks, and I think out of the whole top five and maybe the entire top 10, like we got the best two guys really
0: oh i would agree with that like it's hard to argue and i know um cory pronman uh, for the athletic did a redraft and he put stutzlaut one which is perfect of course which is perfect yeah and i i feel like he's just been the best player like i do think in the king's case a byfield is a really raw prospect he's still super young he's still 20 just turned 20 like in august i think And he has a lot of room to grow. He's point per game in the AHL. I do think he's going to be a good player. I think so. Absolutely. But it's crazy how you have this long buildup to stardom and you have Lafreniere, who has taken a while to really get going, has been kind of disappointing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Rangers uh, prospect pipeline has been pretty garbage, um, it, it seems, for a while. but it's interesting that all these players really need all this runway to really get going. Whereas Stutzla came into the league essentially as a 50 point player last season in the last 30 games, when he transitioned to center, he was a point a game player. And now this season, again, point per game player. Um, and he gets frankly a beautiful assist to finish this game off in a game that Byfield isn't even playing. And I think that even though Um, the Sens were kind of forced to pick Stutzla in like a roundabout way. Um, They ended up with the best player and I don't think they're going to be disappointed with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just I feel like I had to bring it up since we were playing the Kings and like you said, Byfield not even in the lineup today. It made me interested though to look up his stats and how he's been doing so far. He did play eight games for the Kings, I guess at the start of the season had three assists and then down to Ontario in the AHL. Eight games, four goals, four assists for eight points. So that's actually looking pretty good down here. But I kind of feel like as the second overall pick uh, at the age of 20, although he was a bit of a later birthday, so he did just turn 20 last August, I feel like the Kings might have been expecting a little bit more from Byfield right now. And, you know, he's kind of the guy who should in the long term replace Kopitar. So uh, they got to hope that he develops smoothly here. I I was kind of hoping to have like a Kings guest on today because I wanted to ask them directly how they're feeling about, you know, having Byfield and then seeing Stutzler putting up points and even, even maybe Sanderson, although the Kings are pretty good on D. It, it's just, it was pretty fitting how Stutzler got that amazing assist in OT there to, to finish the Kings off. It, it was a nice moment and uh, the Sens looking real good from that 2020 draft, I have to say.
0: Oh yeah, no, uh, definitely. And even Sanderson today, um, mm-hmm. again, like he was the perfect, perfect encapsulation of if you don't notice a defenseman, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing.
1: Exactly.
0: Like he had a, he almost scored off of a, a good fork check, I think by Pinto and Batherson. But besides that, he was just solid, solid in his own end. And the Sens had defensive gaps, but it never feels like he's on the ice for those. He's just all, such a great lockdown option. And I feel like as he develops as a defenseman, if the points keep coming, he's gonna be like I am not gonna like a headman light. I'll say that, a headman light,
1: <laughs> potentially.
0: Wow. I feel like it's 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 a big prediction, but I feel like he has that potential if he keeps going like this.
1: You know, I could see it now that we're starting to see some more point production from Sanderson and a little bit more of his offensive game, you know, after he got accustomed to defense at the NHL level, sort of Uh, over his first 10 games or so he was a little bit quieter offensively now that we're seeing more of his offensive side I I kind of see where you're coming from on the on the Hedman light comparison it's a yeah it's a big name to throw out (laughs) there but Sanderson's been so good I, I wouldn't be too shy to make those big comparisons yeah just just can't can't praise Sanderson enough so far he's really been really been great
0: Oh, exactly. Oh, exactly. And obviously, like, Hedman is like a whole other stratosphere of just amazing defensemen. But I think he really has potential to be something special, at the very least, a really solid top two defenseman. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if eventually he even passes Shabbat on the depth chart, but we'll have to see.
1: Mm -hmm. And now, just quickly before we go here, we've got a couple of minutes left. I want to ask you, how are you feeling in terms of the Sens after this road trip? finishing two and two after starting zero and two because i think most people after we were and two halfway through the road trip and especially losing to the sharks which is one of the games we expected to do better in i think a lot of people were saying like dj smith should be fired when we get back from the road trip and stuff like that and i know you were kind of leaning that way before this how do you feel now that we mm-hmm. won the last two games
0: i feel like it's difficult in the sense that you do see the positives in the last two games of the Sens when they play well, but I feel like I've always been conflicted about the fact that the Sens have player talents. Like we've been talking about Kachuk, uh, Stutzla, Giroud, DeBrickett, Batherson, Shabbat, Sanderson. These are all players that play frankly, really good hockey. And it's made me wonder, especially at the start of the season, if those Uh, if those skilled players have been able to mask a lot of the inconsistencies with DJ's system. Mm -hmm. And I feel like games like this against Anaheim, especially, but even the Kings who are like, who is a good opponent, but not an amazing opponent. I wonder if this is more the players overachieving in spite of the system instead Mm -hmm. of the system, elevating them to success. Ideally, I would still want a change when they come back from the road trip. I would like a different voice in the room. See if that gets them to be more consistent. Because I, like, if if we get back from the road trip and immediately lose the next two games, the conversation it's immediately returned to where we were.
1: Yeah i I was kind of leaning the same way as you. I was hoping to see a coaching change after the road trip. Now that we've won the last two, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they'll do it after two straight wins. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think we're just going to have to hope here that the Sens can go on a decent run. You know, I think. It'll be a little tough, especially going into the next week. We got two games against the Rangers, which is obviously a very good opponent. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. At least after this game, I feel a bit of positivity for once about the Sens. Hopefully that positively won't be uh, just naivety, you know?
0: Agreed. I just hope that they can keep it up. Maybe make us a little bit ha- more happy with a couple more wins.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's where we are going to wrap it up tonight. Thank you everybody so much for watching. If you liked it, leave a like on the YouTube video and remember to subscribe to SDPN. I've been your host, Mod. Thank you for joining me, Jordan.
0: Anytime, thank you.
1: And the next Sense game on Wednesday, Charlie will have that game for you. Thank you for watching everybody and have a good night or good morning if you're watching this the morning before.
0: Take care, everyone. by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.